Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series titled Elijah. We're learning about an ordinary man with extraordinary faith who stood up in a time of darkness. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Camden. Uh, I am the middle school ministry leader, as Jenny said. Uh, she did me a little intro, so I don't really have to do too much. Um, but I've been here for a little over three years, uh, which is weird to believe. Um, but today we're gonna be continuing our series in Elijah. We're gonna be uh, talking about Elijah's recommission. So we're gonna be continuing uh, the, the talk of Elijah's depression and his struggle and how he overcomes that. Um, and for me, uh, to be a little candid, whenever I started here, I started, uh, like I said, I started three years ago. And in the beginning of my, like, I don't know, I guess you'd say tenure, in the, in the beginning of my ministry, um, it was honestly really stressful. And I, I didn't know why. I came out of a year-long internship that was uh, really quite good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but coming into a full-time job, I don't know if it was the fact that no one else was behind me. And, you know, like I knew like, hey, if something messes up, it's on you. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that I was like moving officially to Springfield. Like I was, I was here, you know, I was like out of my house, fully out, you know, you're on your own, figure out your money thing, you're good. Um, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what it was, but I felt this immense amount of stress. And to be honest, like it accumulated in me just drinking a lot of caffeine and like never sleeping. Um, but like, Oh, in the midst of that too, I was like getting prepared to get married. So I, I don't know, maybe just big life events were stressing me out. Um, but I knew like for me, like it was, it was something that like I carried around. Like I, I didn't know how to not be stressed. I didn't know how to not be anxious. And to be honest, I think it was one of those seasons that I don't actually remember getting out of. It's one of those seasons that I remember just going through and at some point I was better. And it's hard for me to think of like, I didn't have a moment that everything was just good. But I remember I had moments like during my season that things got better, right? That I had moments that I thought back to that I thought were really helpful. And one of those things I think of was a moment I had with uh, Jim Estep. He's a professor that I had in uh, college. And truthfully, um, he went from a professor to a dad in my life. Um, he went to represent a really, a, just a great father figure for me. And as I went through college and I graduated, he still is in my life. He's, um, he's the guy that I go to. He's the person that I talk to. Um, he truly is in many ways, my father. And whenever I was struggling with knowing what I should do, he had a really frank conversation with me. He talked to me at a, at a trucker stop uh, near Hayworth, we, we decided to meet up and I was talking to him and I was telling him what I was struggling with that I was just, I was really just, I felt so anxious and so stressed. And, and I mean, and he just had that honest conversation with me and he said, you need to stop. You know, he had, we had that relationship where he picked me up and he's like, you need to, you need to cut it out. You're fine. You need to, you need to pick yourself up. You're gonna be all right. He had that moment of talking to me. And he looked at me and said, you're gonna be all right. I know you're doing the right thing. I know you're going towards the right direction. It's gonna be fine. And it wasn't a hard conversation because I knew what he was about to say, but it was so encouraging just to hear that from him, from a man that I really looked up to. 
And I heard him tell me, you're going to be fine. You need to keep going. And I'll be honest, after that, right, I wasn't like relieved of my stress. I didn't all of a sudden feel better. But yet it gave me, you know, it gave me that moment to go forward and to go through it. We know that words have power, right? They can, they can bring people up and they can lift each other up. They can make someone feel better, but we also know like words have this uh, incredible strength to them as well, and they can bring people down. They can be, make people into a darker hole than they once were or were in, sorry. I know for me, I can, I can fall into this belief really easily that I'm, what I'm doing is not going well. I know I can feel uh, this sense of insecurity that like what is, what, what's happening is not going that great. And to hear from someone else that that's not true, that's a boost of confidence for me. That makes me feel a lot better because I hear, I, it speaks against the lies that I might tell myself, you know, that I'm not doing the right thing or that I'm not doing enough or, or simply the internal truth that maybe I'm not enough. You know, I think words of encouragement, they push against the lies that we tell ourselves. And this is what we find, right? Whenever we're, we're in, uh, looking at Elijah this week as he goes to Mount Horeb in 1 Kings, it's the, it's the same place that Moses goes to in his ministry. He decides that Mount Horeb is the place to meet God face to face. And that's where we look. If you will, please open your Bibles. We are in 1 Kings 19 verse 9. If you, have, if you don't have a Bible here, there's black Bibles um, in the pews, uh, little slots in front of you. It's on page 285. If you have your own Bibles, it's, in, uh, it's about a quarter of the way through your Bible. It's right after the book of 2 Samuel and right before 2 Kings. We're going to be looking at Elijah's time on Mount Horeb. In other places in the Bible, it's, count, it's called Mount Sinai. So I want to make sure we feel like we know what we're talking about. This is the place we find ourselves. He's struggling. Elijah is struggling with depression, as Steve talked about last week. Last week. He is feeling abandoned and lost. And so he decides to go to this mountain, the place that God has met prophets before, in hopes of hearing God speak to him. I think this scene itself paints this perfect picture of Elijah being an ordinary man with extraordinary faith. That's your first blanks in your notes. It makes sense that this man that is struggling and depressed is looking for assurance, and the most likely place he will go is this mountain, and he's hoping to just hear physically from God. I feel like it would take an extraordinary amount of faith to simply go to this mountain in hopes of hearing from God. So this is where we find ourselves. Verse nine, I'm gonna go ahead and read it. It says, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. If you will please uh, read this next verse with me. It's in your first great box. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I'll keep reading. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood on the mountain. This is the initial moment that we find Elisha. Uh, prior to this, Steve talked about Elijah's journey to this mountain to read a little bit of what uh, his text last week. At verse seven, it said, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave cave, and spent the night. He's in this very cave that Moses was probably staying in as well whenever he was approached by God. And he is struggling and he's sitting there and he's approached with this question by God. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's a moment of confession for Elijah that he needs to speak up and say, why is he there? In your next uh, blanks in your notes, God knows Elijah's struggles, but he wants Elijah to confess them to him. He knows what's going on. He knows why Elijah is there, but yet he is still speaking to him and saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He wants Elijah to confess to him his brokenness that he feels. The next uh, blanks in your notes, it says, even in Elijah's depression, God continues to provide comfort and encouragement. Even amidst, amidst this struggle, Elijah's bringing up this same line. He's still struggling. It's been weeks, it's been months that he's still going through this stuff. And yet God is still there. What we see is if we look back um, through, through uh, 1 Kings and we see the stuff that God has provided for Elijah, we would be amazed at what he has done, right? Just a couple of verses ago, I just read that he was provided food by angels. That's pretty sweet, right? He brought down fire in chapter 18 that showed how strong God was. In chapter 17, we see he's fed by ravens. He's provided food by a widow and he, and he brings a boy back to life. He's done like some pretty incredible things because of God, because of what God is doing in his life. And yet still, he is still struggling and he still feels alone. To me, it feels like a broken record that he, even though God has once again, he's brought him help, he's brought him um, aid that he needs, he still feels like there's no one there for him. And I feel like if it was us giving him a response, we would be a little bewildered by that. And we'd be like, dude, you need to suck it up. You're gonna be fine, go. And I can't help but resonate. I understand what Elijah feels. I'm sure you may, that there's still this sense of, even though this is happening, it still feels that it's hard. Even while God is giving him strength. I know for me, I've, I struggle uh, continuously. I've never, I've never seemed to really get past this and I don't know why, but I seem to struggle a lot with doubt and uncertainty. For me, it's really difficult to feel certain. 
on things. Even while I was preparing this message, I was working through it with Steve every, um, every morning, you know, like me and Steve were talking through it and he was helping me. And that whole time it felt um, that I, I felt like it was going decent, but I was like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's okay. And Steve would be like, no, I think it's good. But in my head, you know, I would still have this constant lingering thought of, I don't know. For some reason, it's hard for me to shake that. So it, feel, it feels fitting though, that someone should respond to me with frustration, even if they've said it's good. So it feels fitting that God should respond to Elijah in that same way. But in your, uh, in your blanks, I put, um, as a God that knows us, God responds how Elijah needs in his moment of darkness. So God responds like this. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. And we're struck with these really powerful images, right? The wind comes in and tears apart the rocks and there's an earthquake that probably like crumbles more rocks. And there's this fire that appears. Um, I've never lived like in a place where there's earthquakes or, or fires. Um, so I've lived here forever. Um, uh, but I know, right? Like I, the thing we have is tornadoes, right? Like that's the thing that I've, that I've seen. That's the thing I grew up in the country and I remember tornadoes going through my backyard. Um, I remember that feeling of like a wind being so powerful. Like as a kid, I was like, man, I'm about to get blown away myself. And I know that image of powerful winds that like that tear down trees, that crumble buildings. I've seen that. And it's after all of those crazy things that happen, this is what it says. It says, he spoke to him in a gentle whisper. And he asks him that question again. What are you doing here, Elijah? I can't help but picture this is a soft conversation between, you know, God and a man that has reached the end of his line. He's struggling and he feels beaten down and alone and there's no one there. And so he replies the same thing. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah, while talking to God on the mountain, believes that he is alone. No one else is following God except him. Everyone is dead. And now they're coming to get him too. And God, God just responds in verse 15. He says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, over Abel, Meholah. They gave me good names this week. Um, To succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Thankfully, I don't have to read that again. Um, If you will, please read this last verse with me, verse 18. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So in your next blank, it says, God responds directly 
to Elijah's feelings of abandonment and loneliness. Right, he says, this is not going to continue. This worship of Baal will be eliminated and he will, he will not be the last prophet. In fact, there's gonna be another guy that comes. Elisha will be the next prophet for the people. He talks to him and says, you are not done. There are people you need to anoint so your ministry can continue. And then he talks to him and he says, you are not alone. But in fact, there's 7,000 in Israel who are with you. He paints this picture clearly for Elijah when he feels directionless. These words of encouragement are the things that Elijah needs to hear to continue to pursue ministry in this moment. And what we'll see is um, in, the next, in the next week, we'll see Elijah, he does that. He does that very thing. He continues on and he goes to bring up Elisha. But we know today, right, we're probably not gonna get that same response from God. We're not gonna get this same, uh, this same uh, direct speaking to us when we feel depressed and alone. But we should know that doesn't mean that God isn't giving us words of encouragement. That doesn't mean that God is not still speaking to us. When I uh, first got married, my wife asked me to read the book, uh, The Five Love Languages uh, by Gary Chapman. And after about two and a half years of her asking me to read it, I finally read it. I got the audiobook. okay. Um, <laughs> so the, the Five Love Languages is, you know, simply a book that focuses on the ways you can show love to your spouse. But the, the truth about the love languages is they're a lot more universal than they are specific to the spouse. The book is specific to a spouse and it has examples for a spouse, but the, the, the principles are for everyone. And it talks about five different things, obviously, right? Uh, it talks about quality time, gifts, acts of service, physical, physical touch, and words of affirmation. And for my wife, she really enjoys quality time and words of affirmation, and she really loves gifts, as I found out. So she likes all of them, you know? Um, <laughs> and for me, I really just like acts of service. I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know, maybe I'm simple. I don't know. Just simple-minded, I suppose. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you find out what you've done the least or what you, what you focus on the least. And mine, you know, luckily, is uh, the ones that I do the least are words of affirmation and quality time. So that works out well. Um, and for my wife, she struggles with acts of service. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of moments where we don't, we don't exactly cross paths. And it's like, that's the learning curve for us is, you know, how do we show care towards one another? For myself, uh, this week, even Gary Chapman, he used uh, these words to talk about words of affirmation to remind me how important it is to practice. This is what he says in his books. He says, the word encourage means to inspire courage. All of us have areas in which we feel insecure. We lack courage and lack the courage of us often hinders us from accomplishing the positive things that we would like to do. Encouraging words hold strength beyond something that we could ever physically do for someone else. In your next uh, line in your notes, it says, encouraging words give others courage to move forward through darkness. And that's exactly what Elijah does in this text. It's what God does for him. And it's how he responds. 
God speaks encouragement and affirmation to help him move forward. And we know just as Elijah is looking for encouragement in this moment, we look for words of encouragement all the time. No matter what your love language is, when someone gives you encouragement and it's someone that cares about you and that you love a lot, that lifts you up. It brings you joy whenever you, whenever you hear a word from someone that matters to you. Because we know life is hard. We're not facing death and persecution as Elisha was. But we know even amidst our luxuries that life is still difficult. There are still hardships. There's still loss and pain and struggle. And we still uh, mess with turmoil and worry and anxiety. These things still come into our life. I know for me, I still felt these things. I slowly made my transition into a full-time job and um, as I guess a full-time adult, I don't know. Um, but I know it, it felt lonely moving into that. And I know that even, even though our life has changed today, we don't experience, we don't live the same way they lived then. We still somehow um, encountered world and encounter others in the same way that they did. And that means we still feel the same way they felt. And that means also that we still seek words of encouragement just as they did then. Because we know if we get a simple word of encouragement, sometimes that can help us just get through the next day or get through the next week or the next season. The next line in your blank say, the words we speak have power of life and death. Proverbs 18.21 says that. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. There's a lot of responsibility we realize whenever, we, whenever our, the things we say have the power over life and death. I didn't have to be married long to understand that the words matter to my wife. James 3.5 says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. I came to understand that pretty quick, that the words I say really impact the day. The words I say really impact the next week. One of the things I think of um, for my wife, she really cares about what I say. And in, in this coming week, we're going, we're going on vacation. We're going to Hawaii. Yay. Um, okay. <clears throat> Sorry. So we're going to Hawaii and she, uh, she's getting some new clothes because, you know, like we live in central Illinois, not Hawaii clothes or whatever. Um, and so she, she gets on, she's like putting on this thing that goes over your bathing suit. I don't know what it's called. Um, I don't know. Um, I would make up a word, but I don't know. Um, and she asked me, she says, what do you think? And internally I'm like, oh yeah, it looks good. But I, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think about saying that. Instead I say, well, what do you think? That was the wrong response, but you know, she, she responds. She responds to me and she goes, well, I want to know what you think. And this could have been a good moment to, you know, been like, yeah, it looks great. But instead I, I again say, well, what do you think? I know, I still haven't learned. Um, and she goes, I like it. And I go, I like it too. And I knew I was like, why didn't I just say it looked good? Um, Cause like, I would tell you now, I still thought it looked good, but for me, I don't know. Like I just, I don't, I, I first think about why well, I wanna make sure she thinks it looks good instead of like, she just wants to know what I think. And I know that, but yet I still, I still don't say it. I know that my, my words matter in both moments. 
but I know my lack of words mean just as much as the words I do speak. We know that there's, there's power in our words, right? They can be used to lift someone up or tear them down. They're used to just encourage or discourage. And they have, you know, they have the ability to bring someone out of a dark season, but we also have the ability, unfortunately, with our words to keep someone in a dark season. We know what we say matters. And we know what we say to ourselves matter as well. Elijah responds to God again, and he says these words, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Even though that's not true, Elijah's repetition of those words are not helpful. That only continues to amp up that belief in his mind. And we know that same principle is true for us whenever we think about it. So today, when, it, when we leave from here, we have to ask ourselves, who, it, who is it in our lives that either needs to be encouraged by our words or is it ourselves that need to be encouraged by some words? And if we don't know where to look, where can we find it? I found that, you know, there's, there's three great ways. Um, there's other, there's many other great ways, but there's three good ways that we could take from this that we could begin hearing words of encouragement over words of discouragement. And the first thing is simply begin by reading God's word. That's the next uh, blank in your, in your notes. There's a reason, reason Elijah spoke, um, he was so encouraged by what God spoke to him because it was God's word, right? We may not get direct words from God as they did. But Hebrew 4, 12 says, for the word of God is active and alive. The word directly speaks to us still today. It still encourages us. It still lifts us up and brings us together. An example of something that I found encouraging this week was from Psalm 125. It's five verses, so I wanna read it real quick. It says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. <clears throat> but those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. I feel like these, this Psalm alone paints this picture that we may be shaken, but we won't be taken off. We may struggle, but we will not leave. The Lord, he surrounds us in our life. He will rescue us. He will bring us redemption. He is our protector and our shield. He's there for us in our struggles. God's word itself may be the very encouragement that we need to hear. I think the next thing uh, that really applies for us is simply speaking words of truth to ourselves. That's the next line in your blanks. At VBB Vacation Bible Blast, uh, Jessica asked the kids to memorize one verse and it was from Isaiah 43, one. And it simply said, I have called you by name, you are mine. And the truth is the reason behind that memorizing of that is to help those students feel whenever they are lost or whenever they are struggling, they can remember that. And they can remember that God has called that person by name or God has called me by name. I am his. 
in high school, I, uh, I was just coming back to the church and I didn't really have a specific verse in the midst of my stress and anxiety of just being in high school. Um, and I remember, I remember playing a song over and over again. And it was East to West by Casting Crowns. And, you know, from looking at the uh, 23 million listens on Spotify and the extra like 1 million on YouTube, I, I would suppose I wasn't the only one that would listen to it in shower, in the shower, like alone. <laughs> I, you know, I remember being stressed out and I remember um, being just so anxious for some reason. And that song really helped me like think about that and say, what, you know, how far is your grace? How far does it extend? And I would play that song over and over again. The last thing we can do is we can reach out, either for ourselves or reach out to others. It's the last blank in your notes. Yeah, didn't want to mislead you. Um, we, can be, we can be the ones who need encouraged, or we can know someone who is in need of that encouragement. Right, one of the reasons the, the prayer team comes up here as they'll come up here um, as they do most weeks is to pray over you, is to give you encouragement when you need it. They want to be there for you because they know that life is hard, that there are struggles. But that also means if you know someone that could use encouragement, you should speak out to them. You should take a moment to speak encouragement into their lives. We know that you don't go through depression in a moment and you don't get better in a moment, but yet we know that whenever we speak encouragement to someone, we should know that as we enter into that, we are speaking encouragement into a season of their life. So we won't be doing it for a moment, but we're doing it for moments throughout that season. We see that Elijah, who was being provided for by the angels and God himself, he still required, he required many weeks and months to feel prepared to go back out into the world. So something easy that we could do uh, this today is try writing a person an encouragement note. There's um, some in the seat backs in front of you. And I'd like to encourage you just to write them an encouragement note, put their name on it and put it in the black boxes as you leave. I would encourage you, in fact, let's take just one minute and take a card uh, from the black boxes, or from not from the black boxes, but from the pews and write out an encouragement to someone. Take that second, write that as someone, someone that's been pressed on your heart, write it to them now. I'll give you some time to do that. still writing, 
would ask that you just continue to do that. But I would say, even after you've written that note or if you didn't write a note right now, remember, we're here to bring them encouragement in a season and not just a moment. So even past writing a note, there's something that maybe you could still do today. Or there's still a next step for you. And maybe it is just reading God's word to yourself. Maybe it's speaking truth and encouragement to ourselves. Or maybe it's just reaching out to someone else so they can speak truth into your life or reaching out so you can speak truth into someone else's life. Whatever your next step is today, I would just like to pray that it's clear for you for what you can do today for yourself or for someone else. If you will, please pray with me. God, I just ask that as we leave from this space that we can know who it is on our heart that you want us to reach out to. That you can give us the courage to speak up for someone or to speak up to someone. To encourage them and speak truth that lifts them up and helps that person get through the next season of their life. God, that if we are the ones struggling, help us to speak up to a prayer team member or help us to speak up to a friend and tell them that we're struggling so we can hear the encouragement that we may need. God, as we enter into communion, uh, let that person stay on our heart and let it stay as we leave from here and let us not forget in the midst of busyness. God, help us to be your hands and feet. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church or to get connected, please visit cherryhillsfamily.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us.